take your Bibles out this morning. If you don't have a sermon study guide and you'd like to have one to fill in the blank and follow along, raise your hand and an usher will get one to you expeditiously this morning. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 within your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Amen. Take out your smartphone. Look up the scripture or take out the Bible in front of you if you didn't bring one. Practice looking up a book of the Bible in a Bible. That would be very apropos. I get worried we forget how to look things up in the Bible. Amen. Again, it's so good to have you with us here this glad day. And I pray and I hope that you can join us tonight for a brief communion service uh, in our chapel. It'll be a powerful time. We're going to have the wheel of prayer. This is a beautiful thing. I've never heard of a church doing this ever that God dropped into your pastor's spirit. And it is just a powerful spiritual experience, the wheel of prayer. Amen. Pastor Ben uh, just left with, by the way, our middle school uh, students. And uh, that's what that's all about. They had their middle school service while we have... Uh, our uh, service here in the main worship center, uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, have you ever been in this building past midnight, all alone? Every Saturday night, that's my situation. Uh, it's a habit, it's a rhythm that I have gotten into over the years. I get so many interruptions during the week uh, from inside the office and outside the office. Saturdays for me is my study day and uh, I'm usually here till past midnight as I was last night and this is a dark spooky place when you're all alone in this place. Right now it's bright cheerful the people of God are here but when I'm here all alone, I keep thinking of demons that need to be cast out behind every bush and corner. And I had finished up uh, a few weeks ago uh, on a Saturday night, was getting ready to lock up. I was in our office workroom, uh, and uh, I, I was all alone in there. When you turn on the light in our workroom, an automatic fan comes on, and so the fan is whir whirring away. I'm focused. I was reading uh, my different mail and different documents the secretaries had put in my mail tray and catching up. I'm, I'm really focused. I'm mentally fatigued. It's about 12.30. It's spooky. I'm all alone. And suddenly, a voice out of the darkness says, Hello, Pastor Christ. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> a real man wouldn't have jumped. I am not a real <laughs> I jumped so bad, I clutched my chest like old Fred Sanford from Sanford and Son. Uh, Elizabeth, I'm coming home. Scared to death, I looked in the corner down between two tables, hunched over, is our newest pastor, Pastor Ben. I had been in there for five minutes. I mean, never told me he was there. And I said, you about killed me. I'm about ready for the emergency room. And he just, he said, I'm sorry, pastor, I'm sorry. I said, that's okay, you're being written up. No, no, no. I said, what are you, he said, I'm studying too. Oh my, I'm setting the pattern for wrong behavior. Uh, pastoral studying late on a Saturday night. Now, hey, I don't know if you believe in ghosts. I don't. But I want you to know, and I'm here this morning to let you know that a very real spirit haunts people day in and day out. A very real spirit haunts countless Christians who come to church every Sunday and praise the Lord. And yet they live haunted the Bible's clear on this spirit in first, second, second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The spirit is called the spirit of what? Spirit. 
fear. Fear is another member of the fearsome foursome that we're preaching to you about. Last week we dealt with the spirit of compromise. This morning, the spirit of fear. In a message I've titled, Help! I'm Haunted. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us, O Holy Spirit. God, grant us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Mark it down. Who's the author of the spirit of fear? Mark it down. The spirit of fear is spawned in hell itself. The Bible says there in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If God's not the author of fear, then who is? Satan, the devil, old slewfoot. Listen, disease has, disease has sickened thousands. But the devil has eternally condemned countless millions to hell through the spirit of fear. The Bible records how the enemy has successfully vanquished the people of God over and over with the spirit of fear. With fig leaves tied around their waists. Who was it that hid in fear from the holy presence of God as he walked in the Garden of Eden? Who? Adam and Eve. It was fear that kept an entire generation of the nation of Israel out of God's best. Quarantined them from God's best. The promised land. Promised land living. All because of fear of the people that were in that land. They said, there's giants in the land. You think Israel would have learned. The Bible says that for 40 days, while God's name was being blasphemed by a giant by the name of Goliath, 40 days, he cried out, send me a man that I can do battle with that will decide the, the war. And for 40 days, King Saul and his army hid in fear and shook, the Bible said, in their tents. It was the spirit of fear that caused, think of it, God's man, the prophet Elijah, to run for his life. The day after his greatest service, the greatest revival that he had ever had. Can you imagine having a revival service where you literally call down fire? Can you imagine having a revival service where you're able to pray in rain? Where the entire nation repents and turns back to God? A pastor, a preacher is at his most vulnerable moment the hours after he preaches, the day after he preaches. This is Elijah's case. He could stand down any army. Elijah could stand down any heathen pagan prophet. But when a woman by the name of Jezebel said, May the gods do to me and to me also, more so if I don't kill you before this time tomorrow. And Elijah said, Feats do your duty. And he ran for his life. And his fear then turned into suicidal depression. That's where we're going next week, by the way. Depression. Suicidal depression. And he cried out, Lord, kill me. Let me die. The spirit of fear. It was the spirit of fear that caused a man who was walking on water, a man who was enjoying, experiencing the greatest miracle that you can imagine, walking on water, nobody can do it, but he was doing it. And it was fear that caused him to get his eyes off of the master of the wind and the waves and get it upon the storm. And he began to sink and he almost drowned. This same man, this same man, who am I talking about? who walked and talked with Jesus for three years. Peter, Simon Peter, he saw the miracles, the lame walk, and the blind see, the dead raised into newness of life. The same man who went to Jesus University for three whole years and saw the miracles. It was the spirit of fear that caused him to kowtow 
before a little maidservant girl and in that hour say, I know not the man. And he denied his only Lord. He denied his only Savior. Fear will do that to you. I don't care what you call it. You might not use the label of fear because you're too spiritual. You might call it concern. You might call it stress, anxiety disorder. You might have a PhD in worry. I don't care what label you want, you want to name it. It's the spirit of fear. Fear, you see, can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. It did with Job. Job said, the thing I greatly feared. Job chapter 3 verse 25 has come upon me. You know anybody that uh, lives with their finger on the pulse, their pulse all the time? Am I still alive? You know anybody that wakes up every morning and looks in the mirror and sticks out their tongue and goes, ah, to see if they've contracted anything recently? Listen. The Bible is clear. Both Bible and science agree on the lethal nature of fear. It'll affect us mentally, emotionally, physically. If there's any road that I live on constantly, it's Shaner Road. I know every crack in that road. For more, than, for more than 23 years, I've been driving up and down that road from our house. We live around 23, 24 mile uh, off of Shaner. And uh, anybody that goes north on Shaner to the 23 mile intersection, you know it goes down from two lanes down to one. And traffic stacks up a mile long down to that one lane. And I was coming home one day from church and had the whole family in the car and uh, the traffic had stacked all up, and I thought, I'm not sitting in that traffic. I'm going in the merging lane, or the drag strip lane. <laughs> and Becky said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to put the pedal to the metal, and I'm not going to sit in that long line of traffic. Light went green, put the pedal to the metal, and I went, ha, <laughs> Look, I left, eat my dust. <laughs> And all of a sudden, from the back seat, Jenny cried out, The police! Oh, oh, oh. I'm looking all around. My blood pressure is pounding in my ears. Oh, where are the lights? And oh, then she goes, Joking. <laughs> both the Bible and science both concur on the physiological, the psychological aspects of living with fear. Fear. Fear, think of it. What will it do? It'll fill your face with wrinkles. It'll rob your body of rest at night. It'll cause you to go to work second rate. Medical science confirms that fear, worry, is a serious contributing factor to the development of major illnesses, many of them. It can be the mother of cancer, colitis, ulcers, high blood pressure, uh, heart disease, uh, a host of other diseases. Fear has sent countless millions to the cemetery long before their appointed time. Many of them Christians who knew their Prince of Peace, Jesus. Fear. Fear. I'm talking about those that live on the internet and they live on WebMD and they're just sure they have contracted some exotic disease. Fear. The spirit of fear is the devil's weapon of choice for mass destruction. 
Perhaps you heard, you heard of uh, the account of the small Midwestern town when all of a sudden people looked up from the park benches, people looked out from the store windows, and here was a man running down the center of town. The dam has broke! The dam has broke! The flood is coming! Run for your lives! Run for your lives! The flood is coming! At first, 5, 10, 20, 100, now... All the community is running down the streets. Parents are pulling their kids along. The dam has broke. The flood is coming. And then one older gentleman sat down on a park bench, breathless, and thought to himself, this town has no dam. There can't be a flood. And there wasn't. It just proves a point in how contagious, how infectious, Fear is. Fear, stress, worry, anxiety, paranoia. Again, I don't care what kind of label you want to, you want to color it with. It can ruin a marriage. It ruins relationships. It, it'll infect your home. It, it, it will be contagious within a church. Because again of the spirit of fear with ten spies, ten spies who spied out the promised land because of their doubt, their fear, because of giants in the land, they infected a whole nation. And God said, you're not going in. Or how about the case of Jairus? Maybe you're like Jairus this morning. The Bible tells us in the Gospels about this father whose daughter was dying. He comes and gets Jesus to lay his hands, for Jesus to lay his hands upon his little daughter who was dying. And as the father is bringing Jesus to his little girl who's on her deathbed, there comes a report from the house. What was the report that came from the house? Do you remember Mark chapter 5? Mark chapter 5 on the slides. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. How many of you have gotten a notice? Your job is dead. Your finances are dead. The doctor's diagnosis says the big C word, cancer. The report from hell, dead. Tonight, I'm going to give a word on postcards from hell. Have you ever gotten a postcard from hell? The report is, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher? Why bother Jesus anymore? Now, listen to what Jesus says. It's imperative that you get a hold of this spiritual principle. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. In, faith, in the face of that negativity, in the face of those hindering spirits, in the face of that infectious, uh, disease-ridden spirit of fear, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Jesus knew how contagious the spirit of fear is. And Jesus says, just believe. Just believe. Now get a hold of this. All the power of God is standing there. Yes or no? Yes. But Jesus could do nothing if Jairus lapsed into fear. Unbelief, because that's what fear is. Fear is a defection of faith. Fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear, unbelief, short-circuits the power of God. And Jesus knew it. So Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. To you, to you, to you who the author of fear has spoken to this morning and you've received a dire diagnosis, you've received a postcard from hell, I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ, don't be afraid, just believe. God's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Hold on, hold on. They went to the home together and Jesus as Jairus, dad kept believing, Jesus took the girl by the hand and said, Little lamb, arise. And she rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he's still changing people's lives and moving them into resurrection life and resurrection faith. 
fear. It's contagious. Listen, no matter how long you have been a Christian, no matter how long you've been a member of this church, if you allow yourself to be haunted by a spirit of anxiety, fear, you're a practicing atheist. Don't you call me an atheist. I believe in God. So do the demons. Listen, we can come to this church on Sunday morning. We can lift our hands high. We can sing, He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He is Lord. We can talk in tongues 40,000 miles an hour. But if you're living in a spirit of fear, you're a practicing atheist. You might believe in God, but you don't live like it. You might give lip service to faith in God, but you don't live like it. Again, fear is faith rejection. Fear is saying, I don't trust God. I trust my circumstances. My focus is on the wind and the waves, not on the wave walker. We cannot, we cannot have a PhD in worry and trust God at the same time. Worry says God is not on the throne. God's not in control. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, let's look at it again, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. This is God's destiny for you and I. You see, 2 Timothy chapter 1 grants us amazing help for those haunted by a spirit of fear. If you want to understand this word that Paul gave, you need to understand the historical context of chapter 1 in 2 Timothy. Because the historical context, the remedy, the cure for the spirit of fear, help for those haunted by a spirit of fear, comes from Nero's hellhole. Who is the ruling Roman Caesar at the writing of 2 Timothy chapter 1? Who's ruling in Rome? What's Caesar? Nero. Thank you, Elaine. You get the gold star this morning. Read. Well, you better not. If you were to read a biography of Nero you would be reading a triple X-rated perverted biography that is steeped in debauchery, that is of unimaginable, horrific proportions. Nero was a perverted, homicidal maniac. And that makes for a lousy leader a lousy ruler and to divert attention from the ramifications and the results of his deplorable leadership he did what Adolf Hitler did to take the Germans off of the economic depression that gripped Germany by the throat Hitler diverted the attention of the German people onto what people group? The Jews. Nero diverted the attention of Rome in the Roman Empire upon what people group? Christians. For the first time, mass persecution ravages the Roman Empire. Christians are hounded down. Men, women, little children, fathers, mothers, and their sons and their daughters are hounded. They're wrapped up in wild animal skins. They're brought by the thousands into the Roman arenas and ripped apart by lions and wild animals. They're crucified. Uh, they're decapitated. They're run through by the sword in gladiatorial games. And Nero, when he would have an outdoor patio party, he would tie Christians to stakes and light them on fire as they would become living human torches to light up uh, through their screams his gory banquets of debauchery. Now 
now read 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now understand why Paul says, The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Who's Paul writing to? This is a real hard question. Real difficult one. Who does Paul write 2 Timothy to? What was the purpose of 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy was written to a young pastor. Tell me his name. Timothy! Timothy. <laughs> Told you it was a hard question. And as you read between the lines of first, the first chapter of 2 Timothy, you discover that Timothy had timidity. Timothy had a fear problem. Timothy struggled with fear. Not abstract, unreal fear. Real fear. Can you imagine being a young pastor in the mass persecution in, initiated, inaugurated by Nero? Can you imagine? I, I cannot conceive of it. So where does Timothy get his encouragement from? Where does he get his God confidence from? Where does Timothy get his source of uplift from? Where? From some prosperity TV preacher? He gets it from an inmate who's on death row in Nero's Mamertine hellhole or prison. I've been there. Becky and I visited it. We've been there twice. When you walk down into that pit that's carved in the bowels of the earth with no windows and think that in that nightmarish, horrific place, uh, there was an apostle that wrote in the same letter, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Who was writing that letter to Timothy? The apostle Paul. That's who Timothy received his encouragement from. And Timothy, or Paul, gives Timothy two, two, Two remedies for the spirit of fear, anxiety, paranoia, stress. Again, I don't care what you want to label it. There's two amazing, powerful remedies. Look there with me uh, in, in sec, or 2 Timothy chapter 1. When I called to remembrance, Paul said, the genuine faith. That word genuine in the Greek means undiluted, pure, unfeigned, sincere the genuine article. Faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I am persuaded that is in you also. Therefore I remind you stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love and a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Businesswoman, businessman, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Teacher, student, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Young adult, stand up, square your shoulders, lift your head up high. Announce the good news of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Did you see in the news recently, by the way, was it Berkeley in Southern California where the students were out there trampling the United States flag, walking over it, huh, ridiculing it, mocking it? And then uh, a young woman, an Air Force vet, came walking up and grabbed the flag to be able to protect the flag, the flag that she fought for, that so many of our vets have suffered and shed their blood for. And she, she ripped it out of their hands, and then the security police came in and arrested her. Let me tell you, we are moving, we are moving, yea, we are there right now. 
in a culture and a society that's not much different from Nero's Rome where it's going to be tough to stand up uh, for what you believe but my word to you this day young people and young adults mom and dads my word to you is the same word of the apostle Paul therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God if a young lady can do that with the flag of the United States of America think of what you and I can do with the gospel of Jesus Christ do not walk in fear do not live by fear amen what was the first remedy that Paul gave I want you to mark it down first Paul reminds Timothy of the legacy of faith that he has received the legacy of faith he reminds him of his holy heritage the faith in his grandmother the faith in his mother many of you young people young adults that are here this morning you have received a great heritage of holiness from your parents yet we have many that are here this morning in the sound of my voice and on watching the video right now you do not have a Christian parent you do not have a Christian grandparent I say to all of us then remember the legacy of faith that has been passed down to us that is written plainly in the holy word of God by faith Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt by faith when he was confronted and seduced by the desperate housewife of Potiphar by faith Joseph looked at that alluring seductive woman in the eye and said how can I sin against my God so exceedingly I will not lie down with you what did it get Joseph it got him the prison but then he got promoted to the palace by faith by faith Esther came into the king's presence uninvited unintroduced that could have meant certain death but Queen Esther stood between the king and the life of her people the Jews in Persia you see there was a Hitler an ancient Hitler called Haman that was initiated genocide of the Jews but one young adult girl she stood up even though it could have meant her life and she said I'm gonna pray for my people the Jews that God might spare them and by faith hallelujah it won the victory by faith Daniel prayed when it was illegal to pray a new law was made among the the Medes and the Persians that it was illegal to pray to God and we are moving there very rapidly what did Daniel do he not only prayed he prayed three times a day he not only prayed three times a day he prayed on top of his roof on his housetop so that all could see what did it get him it got him the lion's den and the king the Bible says could not sleep all night the king tossed uh, and rolled in his bed and could not sleep the Bible says that Daniel slept soundly as the angel of the Lord shut up the mouths of the lions by faith Daniel received a great miracle it said that uh, even if the lions had tried eating Daniel because Daniel was 50% grit and 50% backbone the lions couldn't have eaten him anyway because of his faith in our God who will not and cannot fail hallelujah by faith little boy David when Saul was hiding in his tent and the soldiers of Israel were hiding in their tent by faith little boy shepherd boy David went out against that armored tank of a warrior giant Goliath and what did David do by faith did he meet Goliath with a bazooka did he go out shouldering an RPG did he at least have an M16 what did David have he had a what did he go against Goliath with no he went against him with the word of the Lord 
to the roaring, blaspheming obscenities of Goliath who is blaspheming God right and left. The Bible says that David, uh, David didn't run from the roar. He ran to the roar with the word of the Lord in his mouth. Uh, and he said, Goliath, you come to me with sword, spear, and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord that all the house of Israel will know that the battle is the Lord's. And God brought Goliath down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, in that midnight hour, in that dungeon of dungeons, when Paul and Silas were in that inner dungeon, their feet were locked up in chains. My Bible says at that midnight hour, the devil's hour, what did Paul and Silas do? They lifted up their hands and began to praise the Lord. And all the prisoners heard them. Uh, they sang praises to the Lord. And God brought down an angel who sang jailhouse rock. And he rocked that jail cell. And all the doors flew open. The chains fell off. The, 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 the guard said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and your entire family shall be saved. By faith, uh, by faith, uh, by faith. The word of God has left you a legacy of faith. We have no excuse. God calls us to live by faith and not by fear. Fear will lapse you into unbelief. Later on, read what I gave you there in your study guide in Hebrews 11 uh, on how people subdued kingdoms, stopped the mouths of lions, made it cool in the fiery furnace, all because of faith. And then those who did not receive, those who did not receive the miracle, yet they continue to live and walk by faith. It's right there in Hebrews 11. By faith. We have a legacy of faith in the Holy Word of God. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Let it be known, faith is not the absence of fear but the mastery over it. Faith is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery over it. Even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in His earthly humanity struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane and cried out to the Father, Let this cup pass from me. But then <laughs> He mastered fear and said, Not my will, but thy will be done. Faith starts out before you know how it's going to turn out. Faith is God confidence. God confidence which goes way beyond mere positive thinking. It's the consequence of a spiritual relationship with God. It has nothing to do with emotion. God confidence. We overcome the spirit of fear through faith in our God who cannot and will not fail us. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in this same letter, he said, In the last days perilous times will come. And they are here. We are that generation, a terminal generation, that Paul was speaking of. As we approach the days ahead, we can walk with fear. Or we can square our shoulders and lift up our heads uh, and walk in God confidence, knowing our God reigns, knowing that we're on the winning side and everything is going to be all right. Secondly, we live in victory over the spirit of fear by staying on fire. On fire. On fire for God. Don Waggy, praise team. I'm going to open up this altar at the end of the service for some fire. How many campers we have here? You took the family camping. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about tent camping. Real camping. I'm talking about real camping that tests a marriage. The unity of a family. My day off every week is Friday. And uh, we'd take off late on a Thursday night after work, 
And we back, Julie will tell you, we'd always arrive late at the campsite. And the last thing we would do is light a campfire after setting everything up and yelling at the kids and getting frustrated. Where is this? I forgot this. And uh, uh, uh. oh, this is fun. This is family together. Oh, the mosquitoes. And dad, would you start a fire? We want to have s'mores. And the pressure is on. Dad, you know how to light a fire. Dad, you said you can light a fire with one match. I'm too cheap to buy camp wood, and I'm breaking twigs off the trees and going around scrunching up, going in the garbage, pulling out newspaper. There in the campsite, we always camp at places that had electricity. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I couldn't get that fire really going and glowing. So my trusted method was always, always, always two things. My blow dryer and my hairspray. You don't want to light a match near my head. Poof! I've got powerful stuff on this head. I ain't talking about the anointing either. <laughs> and I'd get those coals, those embers going, and I'd just, I'd breathe on it, blow on it, couldn't get that thing growing and glowing, so I'd bring out that, that hair dryer. And before you know, then, then some hairspray. And I mean, I've got the bonfire of bonfires. People from the whole, all the other tents are gathering around. Now jets are circling, helicopters are circling. Signal fire, I mean, it's just blazing. Paul uses an, a very interesting Greek word here in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's look at the verse again. For this reason, I mind you, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. We're talking here about the Holy Spirit. The Greek word here uh, to fan into flame, the Greek word is anazopareo, which literally means not a fire that's gone out, but a fire that's about to go out. Stir it up. Breathe on it. Fan it. That's what many of us need to do this morning to counteract the spirit of fear. We need to press into the presence of the Lord like never before. We need to press in with prayer. We need to press in with praise. We need to press in with worship. Some of us are laboring under worry and anxiety, paranoia, deep down stress, disorders that are not the will of God, and God is calling you to a higher level, a higher dimension in Him. You enter that level of God confidence through prayer and praise. Prayer and praise causes me to get my mind and my focus off of my problems, off of my source of worry, onto my God who cannot and will not fail. As I begin to lift up His name and declare that He is my provider, He is my promoter, He is my prosperity, He is my health, He is my wholeness, He is my mighty warrior. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. Hallelujah! A glory glow begins moving into my spirit what time is it every night that you're awakened and you can't go back to sleep because you're worrying about the what ifs lift up those hands lift up that voice begin to sing the Lord in your prayer language and watch what God will do we have a I don't know if you know but we have a young man here not even 30 his name is Ryan and uh, he's a major airlines uh, pilot. He just got his commercial uh, airline pilot wings. And uh, uh, I've got to tell him this, this story, true account of a pilot uh, piloting a small uh, Piper Cub across country. As he was flying, he all of a sudden saw his instrumentation flickering out on his dash, I don't know what they call it, in a cockpit. Instrumentation was flickering out and he heard a gnawing, a gnawing sound. He recognized that a rodent, a rat, was in his wiring, gnawing at it. We're talking death here. Then he remembered that rats 
cannot survive at higher altitudes. And he took that nose of that plane straight up. And slowly but surely, the gnawing sound stopped. The instrumentation on the panel remained in quality condition. The rat was dead. What do you need to do with a worry called rat in you? What do you need to do with a spirit of fear that's a rat within your spirit? A rodent that's gnawing against your faith. You need to take the nose of your spirit <laughs> into higher altitude. Uh, you need to move up in Jesus. You need to move up in his spirit. That's right. Give him praise and glory because he is your antidote for fear. He is not a father of failure whatsoever. Amen. Move up higher. God's got a higher dimension for you as you press into His presence in praise and worship. One of the worst things that's happened in many of our churches is that we say hi and goodbye as pastors and we don't give you an opportunity like I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to lift up your hands and begin to lift up the praises of your God who will not and cannot fail you and press into His presence even if it's just for a few moments. Worry, fear, paranoia. We've all struggled with it. I ask you, what spirit of fear are you confronted by this morning? Is it the fear of failure? Write it down. Remember, God does not manufacture junk. The Bible says uh, He doesn't sponsor flops. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Perhaps I'm talking to someone this morning that's haunted by fear or rejection or loneliness or abandonment. You were abandoned by your parents. Now you're, you're fearful you'll be abandoned by your, your loved ones. Listen, your spouse might desert you. Your loved ones might divorce you. But we serve one. We walk hand in hand with the lover of our soul who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you haunted by a fear of poverty? A fear of lack? Remember who your provider is. Write that down. Remember who your provider is. The Bible says He gives us the power to get wealth. I was talking to one of our men not long ago who uh, pretty much lost it all in the last big stock market crash. And I said, uh, how are you sleeping? How are you sleeping? And he said, I'm sleeping like a baby. I said, that's great. He said, yeah, I, I wake up every few hours and just cry and cry and cry. The psalmist, the psalmist, the psalmist said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. Hallelujah. I want you to be reminded that Detroit's big three is not your source. Wall Street may go bust. Your money might not be worth the paper it's printed on. But God's kingdom never goes broke. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He takes care of his children. Are you haunted by the fear of the unknown? I want you to be reminded that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and what? He's already in your tomorrows. He's already been the scout that is going ahead of your wagon train. Hallelujah. What is it that drives people to go to the palm reader? What is it that drives people to go to the astrologer, the horoscopes, huh? the fortune teller? What is it? Fear of the unknown, the what ifs, the what ifs. Listen, the people of God, we have, we have a, a, a tool, a navigational tool, a heavenly GPS that's greater than any GPS that the world has. Amen? It's called the Word of God. Uh, we know when the world will end. We know how the world will end. We know what's going to happen when the world ends. Amen. My Bible says He will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up <laughs> to be with the Lord forevermore. Therefore encourage one another with this blessed hope. Amen. Amen. Stop opening up those fortune cookies. You might not know about tomorrow, but we know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. Are you with me in this? Christian, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Amen. Our God is already in your tomorrows. Maybe you're haunted by your past. It's not the future, your past. Forget about it. God has. The Bible says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I will remind you again, God never consults your past to determine your future. If he did, we'd all be in a sad, sad lot. When old Slewfoot, the devil, Satan, reminds you about your past, you remind him of his future. Devil, you're a loser. And I'm on the winning side because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, my mighty warrior. Hallelujah. What a day that will be when our Jesus, we shall see. Perhaps you're haunted by the pressures of life. Perhaps you're already dreading getting up tomorrow morning, Monday morning. And you're already worried about it. I want to remind you, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't say it just once. Again, I say, rejoice. Hallelujah. David said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, I said it before and I'll say it again. If you got up this morning and both feet hit the floor and your heart was beaten, and there was air in your lungs, and there wasn't a buzzard on the branch of the tree outside your window, and your name wasn't in the obituary column, lift up your voice, sing hallelujah, it's going to be a great day, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Pastor, you keep preaching that. Well, I'll keep preaching that when you start living it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you haunted by the fear of death? Write it down. Turn your eyes, turn your eyes, turn your eyes on the one who's conquered death. He is the only one that has removed the certainty and the fear of death for the believer. Only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to live to enjoy life. Paul the Apostle said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. This morning as Cindy comes to the keyboard, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of one of my favorite, favorite true life stories, Steve Sawyer. You get a chance, Google Steve Sawyer's name when you get home. Not right now. Back in the early 90s, back in the early 90s, Steve Sawyer, hemophiliac, Steve Sawyer. If you know anything about hemophilia, you need to have a blood transfusion on a consistent, consistent basis. Tragically, before we had filters for HIV virus, can you just hang with me right now? Those papers won't run away. Your Bibles won't run away on you. Stay with me. Steve Sawyer, as a child, contracted HIV. Back then, a death sentence. But the good news is this. God had a plan. My God, your God, is able to take evil and turn it into the good. Steve found Jesus Christ as a teenager because of it. Steve went to university. There joined Billy Graham's ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ. With Campus Crusade for Christ, Steve was able to give his testimony of hope in Jesus because only those prepared to die are able to really live. Steve was used across the country 
Campus Crusade for Christ recounts that he spoke to more than a hundred thousand university students across our country and more than 10,000 found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of Steve Sawyer's testimony of hope of hope beyond this veil of tears Steve was often asked don't you live in depression what's your answer for depression what's your answer for fear and his bright eyes would look back at them and say one word one word heaven heaven certainty of a home in heaven because of Jesus his mother writes in his biography that days before his death he lapsed into a comatose state eyes would not open body did not move he could not speak and what happened to Steve I have heard over and over and over in the last year I've heard it three times right in this church just this last week a young family that sits in our balcony I don't even know if they're here this morning who has just suffered a loss Michael Roy's mother terminal cancer struggled with it for a year she slipped into a comatose state two weeks ago unable to speak unable to move the morphine so strong in her system when suddenly and I've heard this three times in the last year suddenly she sat up in bed she lifted up her arms in praise and cried out I see him I see him do you see him arms down went to be with the Lord Steve Sawyer moments before his death after not moving or speaking for days suddenly bolted straight up in bed sat up but looked with his eyes open as if he was looking into another dimension looking straight through his mother and he said just one word one word wow to you that have been given a shocking diagnosis from the doctor fear not to you that are dealing with legalities right now and is driving your world in a hellish circle in a frenzy fear not to you that are worried about paying the bills this month <laughs> our God's bank is always open it's never broke it never fails fear not to you to you that are being slandered besmirched lied about you've been betrayed fear not there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother he was forsaken that you might be accepted he will never leave or forsake you fear not and to you and me who will one day hear death knocking at our front door my word to you is the same word that Steve Sawyer gave in his final moment you too when you face death can face hope for all of eternal tomorrows you too like Steve Sawyer you can say wow what a day that will be when Jesus we shall see father in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come sweet Holy Spirit Come, oh Lord, do a new thing in our hearts. Do a fresh work in our hearts. Come, sweet Holy One. Knock upon hearts' doors. Save us. Change us. Rearrange us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. And no one is looking around the privacy, the sacredness of this moment. This morning, do you know that you know you're on your way to heaven? 
Are you absolutely sure that you're right with God? If you want to be sure, I want, I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. A prayer that will make you right with God and give you a home in heaven. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'm about to pray. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith? Your sign of your faith. Lift up your hand right now. If this is you, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'm about to pray. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. 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 How many more this morning? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus, lift it up high. Lift it up high. Precious Jesus, don't be ashamed of him. Precious Lord, precious Jesus, keep those hands lifted up. And I want everyone to pray right now, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Repeat this prayer after me. Let's say it together in unison. Everyone repeat it, especially you that lift up your hands. Own what you're about to pray. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now, just as I am. I confess, I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sins. Save me from hell. I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for cleansing me. I thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Hallelujah. You may put those hands down. Amen.